Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. What is happening, friends? Uh, welcome to the Stay Grounded Podcast. I'm your friend, Raj, and hope you guys are all having an awesome day. Uh, I am happy, I'm grateful, and I am pumped to introduce this week's guest, Mr. Mitch Russo. So Mitch is a business maven. I mean, the man... God, he's had so much experience uh, all the way back from 1985, where he sold, where he started a company that was sold for a good amount of money. Uh, And then he just kept starting new companies eventually to then become the CEO of Business Breakthroughs, which is uh, Tony Robbins and Chet Holmes' company. So uh, he's been around Tony. He's been around a lot of amazing business icons, and he's achieved a lot over time. But to achieve that much success in life um, consistently takes habits. And that's what we really dive into on this episode of the Stay Grounded podcast. We really focus in on one thing that uh, Mitch believes is the true uh, secret to his success over time consistently. And for him, that's been accountability. And uh, he is he believes in the power of accountability so much that he actually just started a whole new company uh, called Results Breakthrough. Uh, dot com where he helps people get accountable and if you stick around to the very end he actually has got an amazing group code where you get to test it out for free even which is awesome but he just his concepts on accountability are amazing because what he pretty much says in in a nutshell and uh, obviously he says it with a lot more zing and flavor but my biggest takeaway was that accountability is a cheat code to get you to accomplish things that you didn't think you could accomplish because now you're using somebody else to motivate you to move forward. A lot of times, like when I look at the, me going to the gym, for example, uh, I remember when I was first getting in shape, it was back when I was in, in high school and I wanted to start getting in shape. And so I had my accountability be my friend who was on the football team. Um, he was way bigger than me, but he was consistent. He would go in and do exercises that I wasn't prepared to do. But because I told him that I would do it um, with him, uh, it turned into this almost like this habit that I was cultivating until eventually it became something that was second nature to me. But I used a cheat code, which was accountability at the time to get myself forward. And that's what really Mitch focuses on. That's his bread and butter. But beyond that, Mitch has got an incredible story of coming from rock bottom. And I say this a lot, but rock bottom is relative. Um, you know, your rock bottom is going to be different than mine. But what I love is that uh, everyone's rock bottom symbolizes a transformational shift in where they are and where they want to go. And for Mitch, it was a battle with drugs. And he goes into that with incredible detail, almost to the point where uh, I almost started shedding tears. And so amazing episode, lots and lots and lots of incredible insights from somebody who has seen every aspect of life and learned from some of the best in the world on how to become successful and and how to create a life of abundance and happiness. And we dive into his rituals and and so much more. So super, super, super excited to get you guys this episode. Um, But before we get started, Please, if you haven't already, subscribe to the Stay Grounded podcast on iTunes or wherever you choose to listen. Leave us a review. Uh, I want to know whether you guys like it. And the more reviews we get, the more people learn about what we're doing. And uh, if you want to shoot me an email, chiefbrewer at javapress.com. That's my personal email. And I love I, I, I love getting all of your emails. Man, I, that's literally the highlight of my day uh, when I get amazing emails, whether it's good or bad uh, feedback from, from, from individuals, uh, because that allows us to grow this into something that really, really, really helps. So anyways, uh, without further ado, I'm going to introduce my, my good friend, Mitch Russo.
Hello, hello, hello. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Stay Grounded podcast. I'm your host, Raj, and today uh, we have Mr. Mitch Russo. Mitch, how are you, my friend? Awesome, Raj. Thank you. Fantastic, fantastic. So good to have you here. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's let's dive right in. Actually, so obviously we did a nice long intro for you. Uh, so we're gonna dive into the good stuff, cool, uh, which is what I'm intrigued about. Uh, and it's your thoughts on accountability. Um, obviously, you've got results breakthrough, which is uh, your new venture um, that I'd love for you to dive into more. But really, I want you to sort of talk about and introduce your mindsets on accountability and why you think it's such an effective tool. Sure. So, so here's something that I, I, um, I stumbled across early on in my business career. Um, when I was first starting my software company, uh, you mentioned it in the intro, Time Slips Corporation. Uh, my, uh, that company I started by myself uh, and then took on a partner. And he was the technical side. I was the CEO and the business side. And honestly, I was like 26 years old, 27 years old. I had no idea where to start. I'd been a real estate investor up until that point, but I really didn't know how to start a business. So um, I got together with a buddy of mine who was about the same age as me, also starting a business. And we used to hang out every so often, but I said, how about we meet every Thursday night at Bertucci's restaurant and have a meeting where we both talk about each other's business and make sure that we're basically doing what we say we're going to do, basically keep our feet to the fire. And he said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So we started to do that and we did it every week. And the more we did it, the better and better our meetings got and the more we got done. And I went on to build a hundred person company. Uh, we grew that to well over 10 million in sales and we sold that for eight figures. So that obviously was a worthwhile venture. Yeah. He, he did the same, but he actually grew his company bigger. He built a, he was working um, on some top secret projects for the military as a contractor. And he ended up building like a $25 million business and also uh, at one point sold it off to another contractor. So this whole thing about accountability left me with a very good feeling, but I didn't know what to call it back then. It was just two guys hanging out and uh, helping each other. Later, as after I sold my software company and after Tony Robbins and Chet Holmes and I put this company, Business Breakthroughs International, together, um, we did something that I thought was a brilliant idea. We decided to take a couple of our lower-end coaches, our beginners, and we said, why don't we offer accountability coaching? Mm. And so what we did there is we sent an email out to a bunch of our clients and we had a very large list, so we knew we'd get some, some takers. And we said we were going to charge $1,800 a month for a 30-minute session where they will, our accountability coaches will ask them the five questions that they would like to be asked every single week. Mm. And if, um, if they do sign up, they have to promise to show up for the sessions, and they have to promise to be honest and be accountable. Well, we didn't realize how well this was going to do. We sold hundreds and hundreds of those sessions. And the people that reported back to us told us that it was working great. They were absolutely loving the sessions and they were getting much more done than they ever got done before. And, you know, that was a very positive impression for me. And I really saw how accountability coaching worked. So it was only about a year and a half ago that I was struggling with something and decided that I needed to find myself an accountability coach. Right. And I did. And I found an accountability coach. And again, it turned out to be great. And then I had the idea, you know what? I'm not the only one who needs accountability coaching, but not everybody can afford to pay for it. So how about if we pair people up into accountability partners and teach them to coach each other so that they can finish any course they ever bought but never did. They could achieve anything they want in life as long as they have a goal. That's brilliant. And that was the birth of resultsbreakthrough.com. Fantastic. I love that. And I love that you're empowering people to stay accountable to each other. Um, why do you think accountability works so well? What, is, what, is, what do you think the psychology behind it is? Yeah, it's uh, a great question. You know, we, we started out by building an, a, a little bit of a bot type app. And we launched it on um, Facebook as a messenger bot. 
And we said, well, look, maybe this is all it takes to keep people accountable. And it was so completely ignored <laughs> that it was almost funny. Um, people don't really respond well to technology, particularly if the technology is trying to push them to do something or to be someone. But mm -hmm. when you introduce a personal relationship, when two people, even strangers, start getting together once a week, they get to know each other. And what they want to do is impress the other person and be appreciated by the other person. So they have to show up on time and they got to do the work because they know if they don't do the work, their accountability partner is going to dump them and find somebody else. Ah, there you go. That's why it works. It works so well because people build that responsible relationship between each other. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Now, how is accountability a part of your own daily routine? Do you still have, I know you have an accountability coach, but what is your own accountability structure sort of based like? Well, you know, it's interesting because my accountability questions change all the time. Um, I have a couple of core questions that I use to keep myself in the right mindset. And then from there, I have strategic or tactical questions, I should say, about the, you know, my business and about revenue and sales and, and signups. So for me, my big parameter is how many signups did I get this week? How many did I get last week? But, but ultimately, accountability can be used in, in a way that basically helps people keep their mindset strong. So I'll give you an example. And I'm going to read you off some of the questions that are available to anybody inside resultsbreakthrough.com. Is that okay? Sure. So one of the questions that I really love is what challenges are you faced with right now? Because, you know, when you have a challenge, your mind is sort of working on it all the time. But if someone asks you that question every week, what challenges are you faced with right now? You have to say it. You have to articulate it. And two things happen when you articulate it. Number one, you get to see it for what it really is, not what your mind turned it into. Mm. Number two, you get the reaction and opinion of a smart individual sitting on the other end of the phone. That's such a great question. And it's one of the ones that I use almost every week. Another one of my weekly questions, which is great for mindset, is what are you most grateful for right mm. now? And Raj, I know you know this. <laughs> I can you talk know about that, gratitude for hours. <laughs> exactly. If we don't keep that attitude of gratitude, then we block the incoming prosperity. And this is what we all need. We all need to be able to focus on what we have received and be grateful for it so we can allow the doors open for more of the same. So that is a great accountability question. I have a question, quick question, Mitch. Sure. On, on that very subject. How do you, I've never seen gratitude and accountability sort of tied together. How do you think being grateful allows you to be more accountable? Well, by being grateful, what you're doing is you're opening up a portal to abundance. If you are being resentful, you're closing that portal. So if every week I have somebody ask me, what am I most grateful for right now? I'm opening up that doorway and I'm sharing it with another person who gets to appreciate it and celebrate it with me. Ah, got it. Got it. Completely makes sense. It just connects people. Almost. That's right. It does. We're made of the same stuff, you know, and, and we all are in the struggle together. Now, I'm not trying to say that life's a struggle and it's horrible and all that. Quite the opposite. Uh, I, I believe that we are basically living in heaven on earth and it's the heaven that we choose to make of it. And mm. if we have somebody else reminding us of our heaven every single week and maybe even more so, then it only helps us keep a positive mental attitude, helps us stay focused on our goals and helps us move forward because that's all we really want. Oh my gosh. Having, so it's essentially like you're being accountable to having a good attitude, which can breed so much. I mean, we, we both know this. I mean, just think that uh, it's almost like opening up a portal in That's a way, right. but you're, you're, you're using someone else or you're, you're using a relationship to almost activate that portal on a weekly basis. I think that's brilliant. 
Never thought of it that way. You know, there's another question that goes right under that one, which goes deeper. And that question is, what emotions are stopping you from moving to the next thing you want to do? It's a simple question, but it's the type of question that makes you look inside and say, where are my blocks? And help me understand where they are and help me face them. And in in many cases, help me diminish them. Hmm. Explain that a little more. Go deeper in that. Okay. So the question is, what emotions are stopping you from moving to the next thing you want to do? So I'll give you an example. Uh, Right now, for me, my big initiative is to set up a corporate sales team because this software is going to help corporations, particularly training departments, get their corporate, corporate training complete. So here's a cool number. There's $28 billion worth of corporate training purchased every year in the United States. Uh, uh, and wow. of that, only 8% of the people who buy that product are getting it completed by their staff and by their students. So that's a ridiculously low number. Yeah. So if we could change that at the corporate level, if we could just double or triple it, then we could deliver an economic impact into corporate America simply by pairing people up who are taking the same program inside of a company, having them stay accountable and work through whatever that training program was together. Yeah. So when you ask the question, what is it? What, what emotions are stopping you moving to the next thing you want to do, basically what you're asking people is how does it feel when you apply yourself to a challenge? And in many cases, and the reason I brought this up is because sometimes, you know, even though I've sold hundreds of millions of dollars worth of product over the years, particularly in my old role in the semiconductor industry, I still get nervous picking up the phone to call. Right, Cold, right. Cold calling corporations, I get a little nervous. And the thing about it is that sometimes I could let it stop me from moving to that next thing I really want to do, which is to close corporate sales. So having a question like that motivates me. Yes, that makes complete sense. Let me ask you this, Mitch. What mix of, I know accountability is a big part of just, of of motivating yourself like from an external standpoint, but how does that tie in with internal motivation? How does the concept of accountability come back to motivating yourself internally? And how do you motivate yourself internally in line with your weekly accountability calls? Well, you know, I, I have been working from home for many, many years. And as you mentioned in my introduction, I wrote the book on working from home called The Invisible Organization. (laughs) So, I mean, I have developed a routine that I believe starts by taking care of me first. So my belief is that I take care of me first thing in the morning. Now, I happen to wake up every morning at about 6.15, and I, um, I, I literally get right on the computer at 6.15, 6.30, and I'm online with India, which is where my development team is. And I work through whatever problems they had during the day uh, that they hadn't solved yet, or they show me what they accomplished that day and I comment on it. And then after, and that doesn't take long, after we're done, I go downstairs uh, to the kitchen, have a bulletproof coffee. Uh, and then I sit down with my journal and the, my stack of books and I read and I journal for about 20 minutes. I love that. Yeah. After that, I uh, grab my gym bag and I head out to the gym and every single morning I go to the gym, I spend at least 45 minutes on the treadmill and every other day I do a weight training and, and now I'm ready for my day. Now I, I come back home, I get on the phone, 1030 in the morning, I'm back here and I'm ready to start working. And because so many of the people I speak to are on the West Coast, I have no trouble working till 7, 7.30, at night, no trouble at all. How do you feel? Um, how do you feel like your morning routine fuels you, and why is it so important to you that you make that time for yourself to take the time reading and take the time journaling? I mean, I know myself, uh, especially when I travel, I find myself my my routine somewhat falling to the wayside. How do you? Why Why do you think your routines are so important to you? Well, first of all. Um, any of us that work from home sit in the chair a lot. <laughs> yep. And uh, if you can't get in 5,000 steps 
at some point throughout the day, then, you know, I believe that it's a health hazard. So, you know, I try to get 10,000 steps a day in and I have a, you know, a wireless phone and I have a long hallway in my house. So I pace when I'm on the phone um, and that gets me another 5,000 steps. So I'm trying to hit somewhere around 10,000 steps a day. So, and that, by the way, keeps me, that keeps the, the adrenaline going, that keeps the, the serotonin flowing. I mean, so for me, it's a mood thing. You know, I sit down and I read the ancient texts in the morning. I might read uh, Art of War or Art of Peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one of my favorite books that I've been reading is called You Too Can Be Prosperous, full of gems. It's by Robert Russell. I highly recommend I've it. I've never heard of that book. Yeah, it's been, it was written in the 1950s. And it's a mindset book. And I love mindset books because it reminds me that if I don't stay on top of my mindset, then it can degrade into that feeling of failure. And all of us face that. You know, everybody, I don't care how successful you are, every single day, all you think about are the problems, yeah. which is another reason why celebrating success is so important too. How often do you celebrate success and, and what does that look like on a weekly basis? Do you celebrate uh, well, during your accountability calls or like, is that a part of the accountability? It is. It's part of my accountability call, number one. Number two, it also depends to some degree on the accomplishments. So on a good week when I've closed some sales and I've made some great uh, signups on the program. And I mean, just last two weeks ago, we brought a very large um training program into our platform and we are signing up all their people right now. And uh, I'm getting comments back. Oh my God, this is so wonderful. This is great. Last night I did a webinar and uh, brought another team of people on from Australia. And, and so what I sometimes do is I just pour myself a half a glass of wine and I just sit and I smile. And that Hmm. for me, it's a little bit of a celebration. You know, I just sit there and appreciate the fact that I was able to from nothing create this platform that has the potential to help tens of thousands of people. Let me ask you this. Big wins are easy to celebrate. How do you get into a mindset of bringing out the small wins within you or even acknowledging the small wins when uh, the big wins are seem so much sexier or they just seem like it's, it's almost like you're not really allowed to celebrate yet. How do you get over that mindset? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I celebrate all my wins. I do celebrate almost every day. Um, and, and I could celebrate just basically having a good day. I mean, I might not have even made a sale that day, but I had great conversations. I might have had a great podcast interview. I might have been on a great podcast show. Uh, I might have helped another, another person or two or three other people. And to me, that is grounds for celebration. I might take my wife out for ice cream. I might just decide that it's uh, middle of the week. You know, let's go grab a movie. That's a celebration to me too. So I just like to reward me for some of the things that, that, you know, that we do. If something big happens, of course, that's easy to celebrate. You know, I go over to the car dealership and get get something pretty there. (laughs) You know, at the same time, um, you know, I, I celebrate almost all of my wins because, if I don't, then I won't realize that they're wins and then I'll start taking them for granted. Ah, there it is. Yeah, no, I, I completely get that now, but I do want to, I mean, it's, that's not easy to cultivate that attitude. What do you, th- what suggestions do you have for somebody who has trouble acknowledging these small wins or even realizing that they're there? What are some practices and, and, and steps that people can put together so that they can start to appreciate more of the little things that come uh, much easier or much more prevalent than some of the big things in life? I, I think it starts with having to ask yourself to sit down and write a gratitude list every day. Mm, yep. Because you don't know yet what a win is if you can't be grateful. Mm-hmm. So, so I had a, one of my accountability partner was saying to me that she had signed a new client, but she had to give him a big discount. Darn, it was only a $5,000 deal. <laughs> and I said, wait a second. You just brought $5,000 into your life, into your household, and you did it just by talking to somebody. Let's celebrate that. And it completely changed her attitude. She goes, oh, you're so right. That makes so much sense. Why didn't I think of that? I said, well, because you were focused on what you didn't get, not on what you did. 
Yeah. Mitch, I want to ask you, um, have you always been this clear or was there like a, a fixed moment in your career or just as you were growing up that, that allowed you to sort of realize these things and adopt a mind, mindset for success from, a, from an earlier day? Raj, I didn't plan on telling you this story, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway. Perfect. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I grew up in New York City, and if anybody who's listening knows New York City, there's a part of New York City, it's kind of rough, it's called Coney Island. Um, and Coney Island is where the rides are, but it's also one of those areas of, of Brooklyn that's just not that pretty. And I grew up there. I grew up in Manhattan Beach, which is right near Coney Island, but I went to school in Coney Island. And I went to middle school there. And um, I was basically a troubled teen. And what I mean by troubled teen is that I got into trouble with drugs. Mm. So I started, I started, you know, smoking pot when I was 13 years old. And then I graduated to, to better and better drugs until eventually um, I started shooting mainlining heroin in high school. So for those of you who don't know what heroin is, it's the most addictive narcotic on the planet. And uh, of course, since it's an illegal drug, every time you acquire it, you have the chance of um, acquiring counterfeit because, you know, let's put it this way. Drug dealers are not the most ethical people out there. Right, right. So, so here I am and it's a, happens to be a Thursday and I bought a bag of dope and I put it in my wallet and uh, I was saving it for Saturday afternoon after band practice because we have a band and every Saturday we would get together and practice. But in my mind, that bag of dope was burning a hole all throughout the week until Saturday afternoon. I waited for everybody to leave. I took out my box. It was stuffed into the ceiling and I plunked it down on the table and I opened my little steel box and inside was my bent spoon and my pack of matches and my syringe and my little ball of cotton. And I dropped the cotton into the spoon and I took a bottle of water and I, uh, I put some water into the spoon and I, you know, I lit the match and the match is burning and it's starting to bubble. And I dump the, the, you know, the packet in my wallet, I dump it into the spoon and I draw it up into the needle and I'm just about to put it in my arm. I get the, the, uh, the band around my arm and I'm getting ready to put it into my arm and the phone rings. So I put the needle down and I pick up the phone and I say, hello, hello. And all I hear at the other end is like clicking. So I kept saying, hello, hello. Cause I, Figured just somebody is trying to say something, but I couldn't hear them. So I said, hello, hello. Finally, I realized it's got to be something wrong, and I hung up. So in order to resume what I'm doing, I had to basically pick up the needle again. And just as I was about to pop it into my arm, I gave it a slight tap to get the, the uh, air bubbles out. And that's when I realized that the needle had gelled solid. Oh, my God. So had that phone call not come in, I would have put that needle with the hot con concoction into my arm while it was still liquid, and it would have killed me in 15 seconds. Oh, my gosh. Well, I dropped the needle at that point. I looked around, and I started to cry. And I cried, and I cried because I knew that that was God who called me. And I knew that I now have been told by God that I have a bigger purpose here in this life I'm not supposed to be a junkie. I'm not supposed to die of an overdose or of a poisoning. And at that point, I vowed that I would never do heroin again. And I didn't. And I didn't do it, but I just kept using other types of drugs because I was addicted. Yeah. Later that year, my mom discovered my little kit. And make a long story so short, she brought me to rehab and enrolled me in drug rehab. And I was in rehab for 18 months. And so you asked that question, and it's a long answer, I apologize, but- No, 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 this is, of course, keep going. The, the day I graduated rehab, um, I had dropped out of high school. I had dropped out of life. I did nothing but work on myself as a teenager. But- it was the greatest gift that anybody could ever receive. I was clean. I was sober. I was focused. I had goals. I knew that I wanted to be successful in life. I didn't know what I was going to do yet, but I just knew that I am going to be successful. I am focused 
on creating a, a beautiful, productive life for myself. And I would do anything to make that happen. So in some ways, you asked how long I've had this attitude. You know, some days I wake up and I don't feel great every morning, but I remind myself that I didn't die. <laughs> I remind myself that I'm healthy, that I have the gift of health. I have the gift of a clear mind when in many ways I might not have even deserved it after everything I did to myself back then. So that reminds me is having been on the brink of having literally died 15 seconds sooner than I, or later than I, you know, in that moment. Um, and I stopped that from happening. That makes me grateful every single day. Mitch, thank you so much for sharing that story. Um, it's, it's beautiful to see just how much you've achieved um, from, from that point to here. And I'm grateful to uh, have heard that. It puts a lot of things into perspective. Um, and, and that kind of breeds another question that I had for you. Um, just based on that, you know, a lot of people, they don't have a near-death experience or an experience that makes them sort of question their reality to the point where they, they take a complete 180. Um, what would you say to those people who haven't necessarily experienced something like this yet, but are either on that path or are looking for change or, and, but they can't find the motivating reason to do so. What would you say to those people? Boy, I tell you, I, I would, I would give them the advice that I would give anybody uh, who I cared about, which is to find someone to work with on you. And I don't mean like a psychiatrist or something, please, nothing like that. Yeah. I mean, like an accountability partner, like a, a like-minded friend who is starting a business or wants to be, I mean, if, if you're working at a job and you're happy and you love what you do and you know that there's a place for you to expand and someday this job can be your whole business and then stick with it. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to build the business, if you know there's more out there for you, then by all means, find someone else that you can talk about. Heck, get an accountability partner. <laughs> I mean, it's the perfect solution. Now, Raj, before I finish answering this question, there's another tie-in to the story I just told you. Is it okay if I share that? Of course, please. So when I was building the Results Breakthrough Network, um, I've always had the desire to give back. I try and help people every single day of my life in, in one way or another. And um, when I was building the Results Breakthrough System, I had this thought, how can I give back? How can I give back? And then I had a conversation with a friend of mine and we together came up with this idea. It's called the 10 minute mentor. And so when you fill out your profile on resultsbreakthrough.com, there's a little box that you get to check. It says, I want to be a 10 minute mentor. And if you check that box, we will connect you to an inner city high school kid who would just love to have an adult to talk to once a month for 10 or 20 minutes, get some objective viewpoints on their life and bounce a few ideas off of. And maybe, maybe, maybe if I would have had a 10 minute mentor at the moment I was putting a needle in my arm, maybe that wouldn't have happened. So if I could help one kid, if I could save one kid by building a program of 10 minute mentors, and I hope thousands of them, then for me, the whole thing will be worthwhile. Mitch, that is such a wonderful way to pay it forward. Um, I'm inspired. Uh, on the concept of paying it forward, why is that important to you? Like, Why do you feel like it's important to give back? You know, without the desire to give back, then you do not have the capacity to help others. I mean, if you have no desire to give back, then in that case, you probably won't get much help yourself. So this is a reciprocal world we live in, and I don't do it to get, I do it to give. Yeah. So I work with people almost every day at no charge to help mm -hmm. them with their business or to help them with their life, only for the reason that somebody was there to help me when I was young and when I was getting started. And, and by the way, some of those people didn't volunteer to help me. <laughs> some of them, <laughs> I had to corral into helping me. And I'll give you an example. When I was first starting my software company, um, I didn't know how to start a software company. And I knew I didn't know how to start a software company. So I started to call successful software companies and ask to speak to the CEO. And 
I would get somebody on the phone and I'd say, hey, you don't know me. My name is Mitch and I'm starting a software company. And I'm wondering if I could take you to lunch and just ask you some questions about getting started. And you know, I got a bunch of no's, but I also got a couple of yeses. And some of those conversations were pivotal for me to build the company that we did. And so to this day, when I can help somebody else get their own enterprise started, if I could help somebody, and I work with clients all the time on this as well. So if I could help somebody really crystallize what it is their purpose is, and then help them build the systems of delivery, help them create the environment where they can project their brilliance out to others, then that's a gift for me as well. Beautiful. I love that. I am, I'm so, uh, You've got me feeling extremely grateful right now, Mitch. Uh, in many ways, I am. I'm. I think that you're just your story, and I, you can feel it. You know, not when you talk to everybody, you don't really feel like there's a sense of, of 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 genuine goodness. And I just feel that in every word you're saying. So I just want to take a moment to uh, just just share gratitude for you um, for what you're doing, how far you've come, and and everything you continue to do for people. Um, I think, I think it's, I think it's amazing. Thank you, Raj. I appreciate that. You're absolutely welcome, my friend. Now I want to ask you a question. Um, how do you go about achieving the things? And this is a question because you've, you've, you've achieved a lot throughout your, your career, um, from your, your first exit to working with Tony and, and Chet to, to now here, how do you continue, um, how do you set a goal and then go about achieving it? And how do you, how do you find out what things you want to actually achieve? So is there like a, a almost like you finish one thing and all of a sudden there's like a little squirrel in the, and a shiny squirrel in the background where you're like, all right, now it's this time. How do you, how do you decide what you want to go after? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I learned long ago that there's lots of shiny squirrels out there. Yeah. And uh, I think I have a closet filled with squirrels. In fact, most of them are dead squirrels. So, uh, those are the squirrels that I paid money to buy and couldn't keep alive. Uh, but, you know, here's what it comes down to. I ask myself the same question I asked myself when, well, well let me just tell you, when, when I first uh, got started working with Chet and Tony, it was amazing. I had some of the, I had two of the greatest genius business geniuses in the world as my mentors and partners. And then when Chet passed away, Chet died at a very young age. And uh, after five years working together, I had realized that I didn't want to take the company where the family wanted to take it. So I dropped out and I was on my own. So it was 2013 and I'm all by myself now. I don't have a company. I don't have a list. I don't have a course. I don't have a, a program. I'm not a professional speaker. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm basically the guy behind the curtain that used to build and run the entire environment. So for me, I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. So I had to sort of be open and, and figure out what I wanted to do. And that was a, both a great time and a horrible time. So it was great because uncertainty is a gift that most people don't feel as a gift when it's mm. in their lives. But uncertainty simply means that the possibilities are limitless. And that's what I did know. I knew that the possibilities were limitless and it didn't feel comfortable because I was uncertain. So what I decided to do was to ask people, you know, what do you think I should do next? And I asked a friend of mine, his name is Jay Abraham. You might know the name. Yes. Yeah. And so I said to Jay, he said, Jay, what, what should I do? And he said something that stuck with me. He said, Mitch, no matter what you do, you cannot let what you know go to waste. I said, Jay, what does that mean? <laughs> Tell me, don't, it's like, and that was like a riddle. Tell me what you want. <laughs> what, can I work for you? What, tell me, what do you want me to do? I don't know. You just can't let it go to waste. So I pondered it for a while and I said, you know what, I'm going to write a book. And I started out writing a book and I worked on it for about a year. And I got to tell you, I'd written like 50, 45, 50,000 words. It completely sucked. I deleted it from my hard drive. I said, this sucks. I'm not doing this. And then I had an inspired moment and I said, you know what? I went about this all wrong. I went about this from a viewpoint that was not based on the reader, but based on me. So 
I had this moment of inspiration and I said, you know, what, what I really wanted to do was I really want to show people how to create a virtual organization, even if they have a brick and mortar company. And what are the benefits of having a virtual company? What are the superpowers that you acquire when you go virtual? And that's the book I wrote. That was called The Invisible Organization. And the thing about The Invisible Organization is that it was like giving birth. Uh, Some people uh, think it's more like vomiting, but I thought it was more like giving birth. (laughs) Uh, And uh, when I gave birth to my baby, you know what? It was a beautiful baby. It stood there all by itself. And, you know, it, it hit Amazon number one bestseller for about five minutes. And, <laughs> and, and then that was it. And, and then I realized, okay, well, that was cool. I got it out of my system, but that was pointless. I did not have a plan. And I realized that if I'm going to do something, I need a plan. If I'm going to do something, I need a way of basically monetizing and creating a path from what I do. So after that, I decided that I wanted, because I started getting consulting clients and they happened to be coaches and coaching organizations. So I decided I'd create a course for coaches. So yeah, I mean, it sounds like a good idea. So I went and I actually spent six months part-time building this course. Well, I sold exactly three copies of my course. And the reason I only sold three copies is because I never tested it. I never found out if there was a market for this course. Yeah. Turns out the course I created was way too advanced for most coaches. It was aimed exclusively at people who were at six figures or more and wanted to build a seven-figure organization. Well, there aren't that many coaching coaches that really want to do that, actually. Right, right. Uh, most are lifestyle businesses, and most of them are broke. So I completely missed the mark. So you might say I wasted six, partially six months of my life. But, but here's what it comes down to. If you think you have an idea, like I did with Results Breakthrough, then test it. Then build the flow for it. Build an outline for it. Sell it before you build it. Get people to join you. Get people to get interested in what you do. And only then, if you get that interest, create it. That, to me, became the formula that I built Results Breakthrough on. I already had the experience with Chet and Tony having a accountability coaching team. I knew it worked. Now what I didn't know is what it would work with partners. So I set up a partnership, several actually, and I beta tested it live with partners. And I found out what they needed and what they were missing. And then I built it into the software. And that's how I decided to build the system that I've created today. How do you get over the... Like you? I love your, your quote about the uncertainty. Uncertainty is unlimited possibility. I might, I, I might actually frame that, Mitch. Um, <laughs> uh, it's brilliant. And, and, but that begs another question for me. In that sense, though, when you're, when, you're, when you're going into the uncertain and you're testing and you're trying different things, there's an obvious fear of failure that's there or an unknown of failure. What's your relationship with failure like? in these moments when you're testing and you're trying different things that you don't really know is going to work or not, how do you respond and, and how does that play a role in just what you do? Okay. So I'm going to tell you the inside game and then the outside game. Is that okay? Sure. So the inside of me says, damn, I hate failure. Uh, when I fail, I feel like a failure. When I fail and other people know I fail, I'm embarrassed. When I fail, I, uh, I exhaust myself and I get nothing for it. When I fail, I spend money against something that never does a return. And then I start piling on the, the, you know, the woe is me and I go into a little pity potty and think about all the times I failed. That's what happens inside. And then I take control of that. And I say, you know something? I am one step closer to where I want to be. So I picked up the phone this morning. I made 10 calls to corporations and I didn't get a single person to say yes. And I could have said, wow, this doesn't work. I can't sell this to corporations. But instead what I said was 10 more. Let's just do 10 more and then 10 more and 10 more. Because you know, what it comes down to is this. J.K. Rowling brought that manuscript, Harry Potter, to hundreds or dozens anyway of publishers and could not get it published. Yep. Uh, Jack Canfield tells the story of Chicken Soup for the Soul of how he literally took that to hundreds of publishers, couldn't find anybody interested. Thomas Alva Edison, the inventor of the light bulb, tried 2,000 elements to make a filament 
and almost none of them worked. But yeah. all he kept saying is, well, at least we know that, uh, you know, uh, that pepperoni isn't going to be a good filament for a light bulb and move on <laughs> to the next one. So ideally, the inside game is that you're going to start feeling all these feelings and it's going to take the, con the help of even an accountability partner to help you get back on track and say it's just the path to success. Nobody ever really makes it the first time out. I mean, occasionally it happens and they're very lucky, but they missed the lesson if that did happen because the lesson only comes with the failures. The wisdom only comes from the arrows in your back and the times that you tried and didn't make it, not from the one time that you happened to get it right and, and hit a home run. That's a whole different type of situation. How do you feel when you fail? I feel like you feel. I feel like shit. <laughs> Tell you the truth. <laughs> and I feel stupid. And I, I feel, you know, and I could get down on myself for one or two minutes at a time, but I don't pay attention to it. Mm. There's that voice that, that natters away and I could care less anymore. I mean, I've heard that voice now for so many decades. And if I ever paid attention to that voice, you know, it'd be a short trip to the grave for me. For me, for me instead, I have a stronger, louder voice which says, I'm here to help people. And if I fail the first time, I'll keep trying until I succeed. So if I fail at building the resultsbreakthrough.com system, then I am depriving tens of thousands of people of the benefits of having an accountability partner. And I might be depriving thousands and thousands of high school students from the chance to have a mentor. And you know, that is unacceptable. That voice is a hell of a lot louder. And I love that. I love that. And I love how you nurture your, your voice of positivity and purpose and drive. And I think that what you're doing with results breakthrough is brilliant. And I love using the concept of an accountability partner to just make that voice even louder. So um, Mitch, tell me more about results breakthrough. How do I get started? I'm ready to sign up right now. Um, talk to me, man. How do I, how do I get in on this? Okay. So I told you before the show that um, I'm doing this for your listeners. I don't do it on every show and I don't, I don't make this public. Um, but I'm going to give your listeners a pass for 30 days of free access, full access for 30 wow. days. Awesome. So all you got to do is go to resultsbreakthrough.com and it's a sales page. And if you want to be entertained, watch the little cartoon explainer video. That's my favorite part of the page. Uh, and then scroll down. There's going to be a red button. I think it says get started now free, something like that, or create your profile for free. Click the red button. When you click the red button and you scroll down, there's going to be three boxes that you're going to see. You're going to see a, a monthly charge, a yearly charge, which is a 50% discount. And then you're going to see the third box, which says get started for free. That's the box that I want you to use. And there's a field called group code. And the group code, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, you can type in along with your first name and email address, and that will get you a, um, an email back from the system with your username and password. And here's the group code. Now, this is just between us. You're not going to tell anybody, right? Uh, I'll tell everybody on the show. <laughs> okay. I'm going I'm to make posters all over the world, Mitch. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. I, I, I get it. Just here's the code. The code is the word winner, W I N N E R in all caps. So remember, it's not going to work. If you use the first two boxes, it has to be the third box that says get started free. Love it. No, we will make all these resources available for everyone in the show notes. Um, and no, I'm, Again, Mitch, uh, you are a rock star in so many ways. And I have a closing question for you that I ask all of our wonderful guests. Um, and that is this. In the midst of all your successes, where you've come from, to where you are now, to where you're headed, how do you stay grounded on a daily basis? Well, I, I'd have to ask you what grounding or grounded means. What do you mean by grounded? What do you think it means for yourself in this very moment? Yeah, I, you know, I, to say, when you say stay grounded, that would mean that there's some different place I am from grounded. And I feel like uh, there is no different place for me. I feel like I, I, I am here, here now, in now, all the time. And I don't, 
I don't know if grounded is a state or not a state that I visit. Does that make sense? I apologize. If no, I- it does. It does. It, it wonderfully does. How do you, let me rephrase then. Um, how do you cultivate that state? Well, like I said, I, I have, I told you about my morning routine. Mm-hmm. Uh, my evening routine is every night uh, uh, I, I spend some time in meditation. And, um, and once again, in meditation, I review my, my gratitude list and I go through all of my appreciations every day and I think about it. I think about all of the people I've helped and, and I think about the kind words that they've said about me. Uh, and I, uh, I just remind myself that I'm here for a reason. And it's not, by the way, to make an extra $10 today or an extra dollar tomorrow. That reason is to help others. And that is my purpose. And that is how I stay focused on delivering the highest, the highest service I can to the people in my world. Uh, you just answered the question better than you thought you were answering it, Mitch. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> um, the, the concept of stay grounded. Uh, I love asking this question more so just because it, what I've noticed is it means something different to everybody. Um, to some people, it means staying humble Mm -hmm. to some people. It it means, uh, staying on task to some people. It means, uh, staying happy. Um, and so there's really no right answer for how you stay grounded. And I want that to be an important lesson that our listeners take home is that no matter how you stay grounded, whether you, you have a routine or you've got time with family, whatever your thing is, as long as you're making time for it every single day. And you're working on things that make you happy and push you to be a better version of yourself and the people around you, uh, you're doing just fine. So keep up the good fight. Uh, but with that, Mitch, I just want to thank you again so much for sharing your story, your wisdom and results breakthrough with our audience. Uh, I, I cannot thank you enough. This was, this was amazing. Thank you, Raj. I really enjoyed our, our time together today. Absolutely. Well, like I said, guys, we will, uh, we will keep everything in the show notes and give you all sorts of all of these resources and more um, on, on the page uh, where uh, Mitch's episode will be airing. But uh, that's a wrap for another episode of the Stay Grounded podcast. I'm your host, Raj. This is Mitch. And until next time, stay grounded. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of the Stay Grounded podcast brought to you by Java Press Coffee Company. My name is Raj. And I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to make daily happiness a priority. If you're interested in learning more about how your morning coffee can turn into a consistent source of joy in your life, visit www.javapress.com to learn how our products can help you do that and use the coupon code podcast for 10% off your purchase. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.